0: For those of you guys watching online from coast to coast and across the Fruited Plains, my name is Joe. I'm the pastor here at Lynchburg City Church. And if God puts it on your heart to give to the church, you can do so by going to lynchburgcitychurch.com. Please just pray with me right now. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And God, for um, President Biden, I pray for a special wisdom for him, a special grace for him. I pray that you'd protect him and watch over him and help him to make good decisions. Lord, for our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marine, coast guardsmen, those serving at home and abroad, we we pray for their safety, protection, and salvation, because so many of those men and women, they don't know you, they don't love you. Please save them and god um for the persecuted church leah Sheribu being held by boko haram in nigeria pastor yusuf imprisoned in iran pastor wang pastor john in china for the christians in north korea for the christians in afghanistan in the south sudan in eritrea in somalia in nigeria in Albania and so many other places, Lord, we, we just remember those who are in chains right now, as if in chains. With them, help them, Jesus. For Vladimir Putin, we pray for his salvation and we pray that you would confuse and frustrate his plans. And for the people, Lord, in Ukraine, um, suffering. Please help them and may the church there be a bright beacon, a city on the hill that in the midst of such hurt and pain, people would be pointed toward hope, real hope. And today, Lord, as I I preach, help me to say only what you want me to say. Keep me from error, keep me from making a mistake, saying something that I shouldn't say. If there's something, Lord, that I, I need to say that I haven't No intent of saying, I I pray that you would give me a word. I pray for a fresh filling of the Spirit. We need you, Jesus. For those of us here right now, Lord, and we just are feeling really discouraged, feeling overwhelmed, our hearts are heavy, I pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here with a bigger view of who you are, and that our faith would be strengthened. I pray this in your name, amen. Great comebacks are born in the wake of great adversity. Great comebacks are born in the wake of great adversity. It's January of 1993. The scene is Buffalo. It is a win or go home playoff game for the Buffalo Bills. They host the Houston Oilers. Bills are in deep trouble. It's halftime. They're trailing 35-3. to They're starting quarterback. He's gone. The fans actually are going to the exit. They're leaving. And the Bills do the unthinkable. They erase a 35-3 halftime deficit with their starting quarterback gone, with the stadium half empty, and they defeat Houston 41-38. Great comebacks are born in the wake of great adversity. Any baseball fans in here? Good, I don't like baseball. (laughs) It's just in my notes, right? October 2004. The Boston Red Sox find themselves trailing three games to zero to the powerhouse New York Yankees. In fact, it's game four. The Yankees are ready to sweep the series. They have the lead in the ninth and final inning. And the Red Sox decide to put up a fight, for whatever it would be worth, and actually win the game in the 12th inning. And then they go And they rip off three more wins in a row, completing the comeback en route to a World Series championships. Great comebacks are born in the wake. Great hardships and challenges and adversity. Maybe one that's more recent. February 5th, 2017. Now, up until that time, no team had ever come back from more than a 10-point deficit in the Super Bowl. The Patriots, you guys know who they are. They found themselves trailing 25 points in the third quarter. ESPN actually gave the Falcons a 99.7% chance to close out the game. It was over, except for Mr. Brady and the Pats. They had a different opinion, and they did what no team has done. They erased a 25-point third quarter deficit. They Went for two points, a two-point conversion on back-to-back attempts, completing both of them. Then they win the coin toss. I don't know what the odds of that are, only to win it in overtime. Great comebacks are born in the wake of great adversity. Imagine if they had quit. Brady and the Pats, the Sox, the Bills. Imagine if they had quit. People quit all the time. I've been there at different points in my life. You know those moments when you're dealing with despair. You feel hopeless. Discouraged. The challenges in front of you are just insurmountable. Today's story is about a man named John Mark. And I don't normally preach topical sermons. And when I do about John Mark. So if you're here for the first time, what you're about to see is unusual, hopefully in a good sense. But we don't normally do topical messages like ever. Uh, We like expository, but we're going to make an exception today because it's John Mark. And I'm going to, for us today, outline his life because there's not a lot known about John Mark, But what there is, I want to try to do my best to bring it to life for us. The first mention of John Mark comes in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. It says this, when he, that's Peter, realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. We then see him again mentioned in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. It says, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose." other name was Mark but the story really kicks off in chapter 13 verse 5 and now the setting for chapter 13 verse 5 Paul is taking a a missions trip with his friend Barnabas and Barnabas's younger cousin John Mark we know that's his younger cousin according to Colossians chapter 4 verse 10 and it says this in Acts 13 5 when they arrived at Salamis they proclaimed the word of the God the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John John Mark to assist them Now, let me just hit the pause button for just a quick second. Because of all the things that happen and occur in this story, it does so under the banner of gospel proclamation. And for that reason, I want to touch on this, because the reality is so very few people who know Jesus in a saving way ever actually do this. And by this, I mean what they're doing in Acts chapter 13, verse 5. You know, statistically, only 10% of Christians have actually done this in the last year, shared their faith. That includes pastors. Only 10% of the people in this room, the stats would say, have actually shared their faith and had a gospel conversation in the last year. And what I find is Christians will often wait until there's some type of event to usher in this missional mindset of gospel intentionality. In other words, it often takes the shape or form of, I don't know, a, a one-week mission trip to some Central American country to even us getting thinking this way. To ever get us thinking about living missionally. And all you have to do is quietly ask yourself, when was the last time I shared the gospel? When was the last time I even bothered to invite someone to one of our church gatherings. Why is that? Like, wh- Why do so many of us ignore the call? Do we not think that we should? Do we think that it's someone else's responsibility? Or do we just not care? I think most of us would say, oh, no, no, that's not it. I do care. There's going to be an explanation. And oftentimes the explanation is we say we care, but we don't really. About the unchurched or the unsaved. And it's not for lack of opportunity. At work. In the grocery store. Your roommates, whoever it might be. It's not for lack of opportunity. That's just something we like to tell ourselves so we don't feel bad or we don't feel guilty. So that we can... What you're feeling right now, that Holy Spirit kind of prompting, that we can just push it away. That's what we tell ourselves. One thing is for certain, these guys in this story, these guys here, they care in Acts chapter 13. These guys are willing to do whatever it takes. You just don't find that attitude in many American Christians today. A passion for the unchurched and the unsaved. Unless I get to spend 3 grand and travel to a Central American country for a week on spring break, then I'll care. But I don't care enough to invite my roommate or my coworker or my neighbor. I'm just talking about inviting them, not even sharing the gospel. Wasted opportunities. These guys care. These guys care a lot. If there was ever something that should keep you up at night, let it be a passion for the unsaved friends and family members that you have, the unsaved co-workers and colleagues that you have. This story, I I can't ignore the fact that it happens under the banner of gospel proclamation. And so they're on this trip Acts chapter 13, verse 13, something happens. We're not sure what happens, but something bad happens. And it says in Acts 13, 13, Now Paul and his companions, they set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia and John, that is John Mark, he left them and returned to Jerusalem. The text doesn't tell us why he left, just that he did, in fact, leave. And so we skip ahead to Acts chapter 15. As I said, we're outlining this story of his life. And the next clue is given. Why did he leave? In Acts chapter 15, verse 36 and 37, we're provided with somewhat of a clue. And it says, after some days, this is Acts 15, 36, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. Let me hit the pause button. Barnabas wants to take his younger cousin, according to Colossians 4.10, with him. He wants to take him. And I want to just speak to the life of Barnabas, even though this is about John Mark. John Mark's life is very much knitted together with his cousin Barnabas. But something you should know about this guy Barnabas, according to Acts chapter 4.36, we learn that Barnabas is actually sort of a nickname for him. Acts 4.36, it says, thus Joseph, that's a great name, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. That's what we learn. He got this nickname because this is a guy who loves to build other people up. This is a guy who just deeply cares about others. He is an encourager. Some of you guys know this type of person in your life. And so we go back to Acts chapter 15. Paul said to Barnabas, let's visit the churches. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, verse 39. And it says this, but Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The reality, as I said earlier, is that everything that occurs in this story happens under the banner of gospel living. And the truth is, in the path of obedience, obedience to Christ, the Christian life is hard. The Christian life is hard. Some of you know that very well. Some of you you don't know that, and you get to learn it. And you need to be reminded of what Acts 14:22 tells us. It's through many tribulations that one must enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh yes, the Christian life is hard. The Christian life is challenging, and it's not uncommon for difficulties, despair, discouragement to rock our boat from time to time. When I contemplate the story in Acts chapter 15, it feels like a little bit of a breaking point. I can't help but imagine that this may certainly have brought up some of those feelings in the life of John Mark. I mean, he's going to find out the Apostle Paul doesn't want him to come along. That must have been a major low point for him. And so what I like to do is this. I like to imagine this story. And and if you would indulge me, if you could just close your eyes right now, just indulge me for a moment. Just close your eyes for a brief moment as we think about this scene in Acts 15. Keep them closed. Think about what it would look like. Think about what it even might sound like. Barnabas. Barnabas is Paul. Barnabas, I can hear you in there. Come to the door. Paul? Barnabas! Paul! It's good to see you.
1: Good to see you too. I was just working out.
0: Well, you look great. It shows. Thank you. But Barnabas, remember, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness, godliness, Barnabas, is of value in every way as it holds promise for both this life and the life to come.
1: You know, Paul, I really like that. I think you should tell Timothy.
0: I can see him benefiting from that greatly. Thank you for your suggestion.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. What, what brings you here today?
0: I want to take another trip. I want okay. to go and revisit the brothers that we shared the gospel with in every city throughout the entire empire. All right. I want you to come along.
1: Oh my gosh, of course. Paul, that will be great. We can take Silas, uh, we'll go get John Mark, maybe even oh, Timothy. Oh, oh. Did you
0: say John Mark?
1: Yeah, he's, he's my cousin.
0: Barnabas, I am well aware that John Mark is your cousin, but I do not want him coming with us on this trip. Why? Barnabas, have you forgotten what happened on our last trip? After we left Paphos, when we came to Perga, in the district of Pamphylia, do you remember what happened?
1: Paul, I trust him. That was a long time ago. And what about forgiveness?
0: It was actually two chapters ago, Barnabas. All right. And while I have forgiven your cousin... I'm not prepared to have him come with us at this point.
1: Paul, he has grown a lot since then, and I think he deserves another chance. He needs to come.
0: I'm sorry, Barnabas, that's just not an option.
1: Well, in that case, Paul, I don't, I don't know that I can come.
0: Barnabas, you need to come, and I want you to come.
1: Paul, if you won't let John Mark come, I'm not sure that I can come with you. I mean, isn't it you that taught us to bear one another's burdens?
0: Okay, go ahead and quote me, Barnabas. You
1: need to let him come.
0: I'm sorry, it just can't happen.
1: Then I can't come.
0: While the book of Acts does not record what immediately transpired, how John Mark may have felt upon hearing of this rejection by the Apostle Paul, I imagine it may have been, to say the least, quite upsetting even perhaps a little discouraging. And while the next story isn't recorded in Scripture, I think it's entirely plausible that the conversation may have looked or even sounded something like this between Barnabas and his cousin John Mark upon hearing the
1: news. Hey, John Mark. Barnabas, did, did you talk to Paul. Uh, John Mark, yeah. Yeah, I did. What did he say? Um, I I told him that you really wanted to come on the trip. Um, and he said no, I'm so sorry.
0: Because of what happened last time? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh... I get it. I, uh, I messed up really bad. I left you guys, and uh, I've got no one to blame but myself.
1: John Mark, you've grown a lot since then. I even told Paul.
0: Yeah, but he still doesn't want me to come, Barnabas.
1: I know upsetting this must be for you, John Mark, but I've seen the growth in you.
0: It doesn't feel that way right now.
1: You know, John Mark, I was thinking. I've been praying. And while Paul is taking Silas on this trip, you know, I think the Lord's leading me to another trip in... And- I want you to come. What? Yeah, there's more work to be done, and I think you should come with me.
0: Pardon, Barnabas, you don't want me coming with you.
1: Yes, I do. You need to come.
0: Barnabas, not even Paul wants me to come with him in good reason. I left you guys. I abandoned you guys. I, I royally messed up. And let's face it. Good chance I'd probably do that again. I mean, what other reason would he wa- have not wanting me to come? If I come again, I'll probably just mess everything else up because that's who I am. I'm Mr. Screw it up, drop the ball, ruin it. I'm going to
1: Cyprus with or without you. Are you coming or not?
0: Barnabas, I just don't see how any of this matters at this point.
1: John Mark, it matters. It matters because there's people in my native Cyprus, that need to hear the gospel. And you know, John Mark, I'm going with or without you. But I do believe that if you were to come, me and the people in Cyprus would be better off for it. And that just because things didn't work out with Paul does not mean that this is the end. You're not done. John Mark, look at me. You're not done. God is not done with you. So, will you come?
0: Yeah, give Connor a hand. Yeah? When I think of this story, how hard it may have been for John Mark, how tempted John Mark may have been to quit, to give up, to give in. See, the reality is, in the Christian life, we often experience setbacks. Things didn't go the way we wanted them to, or things are just flat out going in the wrong direction. And some of you, perhaps, even as I speak right now, you know exactly what I'm referring to, because you've been experiencing these sorts of challenges in your life, and you feel so discouraged. You feel so beat up. The truth is, as I said earlier, the Christian life is hard. It's really hard in the path of obedience to God, especially when we veer off that path thinking that we know better. seems every year there's another Christian celebrity we hear about who walks away from the faith or a former friend on social media and they've walked away from God. And in those moments, especially in those moments, is where we all need like a Barnabas in our life to help us to exhort one another every day in the realest sense of Hebrews chapter 3, 12, and 13. So please don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Maybe you are here today and you feel so broken and so beat up and you don't know how you're going to get through the rest of your week, let alone today. Today. And perhaps it's an abusive relationship that you're in or a class that you keep failing or a friendship that hasn't panned out the way you were hoping to or that sin in your life that you keep falling into repeatedly again and again or you've been praying and praying only to learn that your parents, they're still getting a divorce, And no one knows, but you've cried more this last week than in a really, really long time. And it just doesn't seem like anything is ever going right. You see, in those moments, every one of us needs a Barnabas-John-Mark relationship to help us. And God has ordained that you find those type of Christian friendships in this thing called the local church. And I'm not talking about bouncing around and church hopping every single week. I'm talking about people that know you and love you and care about you especially especially in those moments where we feel so discouraged and we want to give up and we want to quit and we want to throw in the towel. Everyone needs this. We need to be plugged into a local church. We need to have accountability in a local church. We need to be using our God-given gifts in a local church. Oh, beware of the great danger that is church-hopping, never-committing, inconsistent Christian culture that we live in. That's the greatest danger that you face. It's the single greatest danger that you face. The church hopping, never committing, inconsistent Christian culture. People say, what happened to John Mark? Did he get his great comeback? In 58 AD, the apostle Peter is about to be executed. Before he's executed, a young man that he had been mentoring is visiting him there in prison. And he gives this young man his gospel account, at which point you say, there is no gospel of Peter. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's no gospel of Peter. You may know it well by a different title. And that is the 16 chapters that make up the gospel according to Mark. Oh, yes, church. The same man that we've been talking about the whole time John Mark is the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Now just imagine what would have happened if he had quit. Imagine what would have happened if he had given up in his moment of greatest despair and discouragement. We would have had one less Gospel. We never think about the implications that our life has on other people. God's not done with you. He's not done with you there are perhaps heavy hearts that are hearing this right now and you need to hear that he's not done with you. So don't quit. Keep going. Keep your eyes on him. And you say, what about, what about Paul and John Mark? What about the severed relationship that we just saw in the in skit in, in Acts 15? Did they ever work things out? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, writing from prison, here's what Paul says. He says, Timothy, Luke alone is with me. And get Mark. Oh yes, church. That's John Mark. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Sometime after Acts chapter 15 and prior to 2 Timothy chapter 4, there was some type of coming together to the point that he's like, I want that guy. I don't have many months to live. You bring that guy with you. Great comebacks are born in the wake of great adversity. So keep going, keep pushing forward. Don't quit. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I don't want to be clear about this this is not a message of positive thinking. If your confidence for a brighter tomorrow is in yourself, then you don't need any of this. So let me repeat. Is your confidence for a brighter tomorrow based on yourself or on God? Remember what Paul says, Philippians chapter 419. And my God will supply every need. There's the key word, need. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, he knows what you need. He knows the hardships and the difficulties and the challenges that you're going through, including the ones that were brought on by your own foolish sin. And the reality is, when we give in to discouragement, when we give in to despair, it's not just about us giving up. It's also saying, God, you're not enough. God, my problem is too big for you. Oh, that we might all say with the Apostle Paul, and join him in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. This isn't a message of positive thinking or self-help. It's a message that says, you do and you give everything you've got and you do everything you can And when God brings you through, you say, God, if it wasn't for you, I would have failed or given up a long time ago. I would never have made it. You see, we can do this and say these things because of the blood-bought promises of God. Promises. Blood-bought. You say, like what? I don't know, like Isaiah 14, 27, one of our old church memory verses. For the Lord of hosts is purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out. Who will turn it back? The assumed answer is nobody. Nobody's going to smack the hand of the Lord away and say, nah, I don't want that there. That's in my way. Promises like Job 42 too. I know that you can do all things, Job says, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Those are rock steady promises. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Well, but by the devil, right, or wickedness or or evil, right? No. Nobody can thwart and stop the promises of God. That's why he says nobody. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. So God sustains and gives empowering grace in the life of the believers, in the life of John Mark, and one of the ways that he seems to do this is through the life of his friend and cousin. And I've said it already, we We all need a Barnabas in our lives, because it's not about, guys, if such moments will come, they'll come. Some of you are in those moments right now. Oh, they'll come. Unfortunately, many people take the church for granted, and then when life is turned upside down, then they're scrambling around looking for a Barnabas. That's what typically happens. I typically get phone calls from people who call me, and it's, my wife left me. She wants a divorce. She took the kids. Everybody wants a Barnabas. No one prepares for those conversations. And in doing so, they take the local church for granted. They take those John, Mark, Barnabas relationships for granted because they've never taken the time to ever build any meaningful relationships. They've never committed themselves. They've never joined on mission with the people of God, but they've rather spent their time church hopping and watching the occasional online sermon telling them it's good enough. This is one of the reasons the local church exists that we might as Barnabas remind one another of the promises of God, that we might be there to, to bear one another's burdens when life throws everything at us. Oh, I'm so thankful that God knew what he was doing when he built the church. I'm so thankful that He gave Barnabas-like individuals to help and encourage us when we find ourselves in the pit of despair. And yet in this story, notice this. Big theology right here. We see Satan trying to rip this whole thing apart in Acts 15 in the disagreement with Paul and Barnabas. He's up to his old ways. But that's not all we see. We also see God's supreme sovereignty in this story. We just finished Genesis, guys. You know what Joseph told to his brothers. Man, we squeezed that, that, that passage like a sponge. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. That's what I mean by God's sovereignty over everything, including sin. Here's Satan. Here's the devil. He's trying to cause division. He's trying to rip the brotherhood apart between these two friends, brothers in the faith, Paul and Barnabas, and no doubt he's thinking, (laughs) crushed it. They're not going together. I just broke up this trip. And then what do you see? By the end of Acts 15, what was going to be one missions trip has now turned into two missions trip. That's what I mean about God's sovereignty. Sometimes we think in those moments, this is pointless. Paul and Barnabas getting in this disagreement. What could be the good possible outcome of this, this disagreement? These guys should be together. They should be taking this trip together. And then what do we see? God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing, even in the midst of conflict. Now he's got two trips covering twice the geography with twice the manpower. That's your God. You have such a big God. That's what I want you to remember. Beyond the skit, beyond the clever lines, I want you to remember that. You have a big God, church. You have a huge God. If you remember one thing, may it be that. What was going to be one mission trip now turns into twice the manpower, twice the geography covered. At the end of the day, the missionary output is effectively doubled. And so I say again this, great comebacks are born in the wake of great adversity. So don't quit. Keep going. At the end of our lives, we might join with the Apostle Paul, as well as so many other saints who have gone on before us and saying... I have fought the good fight, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And remember, he doesn't say that because he's the Christian of the year or because John Mark is such a perfect guy or because you're just so tenacious or so intelligent or you're so tough or because of your grit or American determinism. But because of him, we can say that. Because he is magnificent, and he is glorious, and he is generous, and he is benevolent. Because of who he is, he is the only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Pray with me. God, my prayer is that you would help us to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. I thank you for this thing you created, the local church, otherwise known as your bride. I pray that we would not take her for granted. I pray that we would build upon the friendships that we have for those moments when challenges come at us, for those moments when challenges come at us, sometimes as a result of our own sin, and help us and strive to be Barnabas-like individuals to our brothers and sisters around us who need it in their darkest moments. Thank you for the life of John Mark, and thank you, God, for this story, for his story that you've given to us, this beautiful little gem, this diamond in the rough and thank you for your sovereignty on display in the midst of the devil coming and trying to attack these two brothers oh what encouragement that is may our hearts be encouraged may our faith be steadied and anchored today we love